Welcome again, everyone. It is so great to see you here today. Welcome Smyrna Campus. We love you guys. We're glad you're with us. Everybody connecting with us online. We're so glad that you've connected with us there today. I love that clip. Cousin Eddie's one of my favorite characters in all the movies. Uh, it's Clark, it's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. You know, I just, he's got some other great lines in there. Uh, and it goes with what we're talking about today in the series that we're doing called Rediscover Christmas. We are looking at another attribute of the coming of Christ, of the advent that, that Christ came to bring us. And that's joy, even in the middle of hard circumstances, how he can give us the ability to have joy. Before we get to that today, I want to take a moment for prayer. I know we always have a lot of prayer needs within the church family. Uh, this past week or so has been uh, a lot of things that have happened, and I just wanted to share some prayer needs with you. Uh, our good friend Tim Ogle, who was a part of our church family for a long time, and, and then we uh, ordained him into the ministry. He's been out serving. Uh, he had moved back to Kentucky to be with his parents. His dad's been battling cancer, and his dad passed away this past week. So let's keep Tim and his family in our prayers. One of our elders, Art Laird, his brother, passed away this past week as well. We want to be praying for Art and his family. Uh, another family here at Lakeshore, uh, Dorothy Mabry, passed away. Uh, and I always uh, just thought of her as Aunt Dot because of Sandy and Janet and that family, referring to her as Aunt Dot. But keep that family in prayer, if you would. I know there are many others, too. Uh, I also wanted to mention another one, uh, Ruth Klump, uh, who is Lisa Grombeck's mother, uh, Ruth has been sick for a long time and she'd been in the hospital. They discovered that she's got a serious brain, uh, brain bleed and uh, they've moved her back to the care center, but under hospice care. So let's keep Ruth in our prayers as well and, uh, and her family, Lisa and all the siblings there in our prayers. And I know we, we could go on and on. There's, there's so many prayer needs, but God wants us to come to him with those needs and he, he, he's big enough and, and he's gracious enough and he's powerful enough to provide for us through all of those different things. Uh, so let's go to God in prayer together. Father, we thank you that in this Christmas week when we celebrate the coming of the Savior, we can, we can come to your throne of grace because of what Jesus came here to do for us and we can find the help that we need. We lift up these families and all the other families that are going through struggles right now and, and you know every detail of every circumstance for every individual. And you know exactly what's needed and you're there for us all. And you'll never leave us or forsake us. Help us to look to you and trust in you that you can even bring joy during these things that we struggle with. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Joy is the trait that we're going to be exploring today in this third Sunday of what we call Advent. Now, just to review a little bit, Advent means the arrival or the coming or the anticipated coming of someone or something that is greatly looked forward to and anticipated. And of course, for Advent, for us, that would be the arrival of Christ, the Messiah, for the Jewish nation, for, for the Hebrew people. This was huge. For over 2,000 years, they had had this promise that a Messiah was going to come, that he was going to appear through the line of Abraham, and he was going to bless all people everywhere. So this season is marked by expectation and waiting and anticipation and longing. And it's not just an extension of Christmas. It's actually something that encompasses past, present, and future. The past promise of the Messiah coming, the present now of Messiah having come and, and, and he being here with us now, and then the future second coming of Christ. It's past, present, and future Advent. And so we live with this hope, this expectation 
that Christ is not only with us now, but that he's coming back again. So it's a celebration filled with hope. And God's plan for us is that it not just be hope, but it be joy filled hope. He wants us to be able to experience joy no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. Because Christ has come to be God with us, we can experience joy no matter what we may be going through. But here's the problem with understanding joy. Sometimes we think of joy as just when everything's good, when everything's like we want it to be. Then we can maybe have a little joy for a little while. But the joy that is talked about in the advent of Christ is a joy that transcends our circumstances. It's beyond what's going on. It's not taken away by or destroyed by hard things that we have to face. And it's this joy that we're gonna be looking at more in depth today. It's not separate from pain. It's not separate from disappointment. In fact, a lot of it is borne out through struggles, struggles and pain and loss and disappointment that we finally can experience sometimes the joy that we've not experienced before. We're gonna be looking especially in the Gospel of Luke. Just go ahead and open up there. We're gonna spend a lot of time in Luke chapter one today. Uh, a great account uh, Luke gives us of the events surrounding the coming, the advent of the Messiah. Uh, if you could pull up on your smartphone or tablet there, we're gonna be starting with Luke chapter one and verse five. Luke's Christmas story begins before Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger there. It starts, it precedes that a little bit. It starts out with this priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And it's important for us to know that because there's a connection there. There's, there's a leading connection there to the joy that we're talking about today. So let's pick up in Luke 1 verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both, how did he describe them? Very old. Man, that's not, you know, that's not flattering, is it? How are you known in the Bible? Well, we were the very old couple, right? <laughs> But, but there's a reason they're described that way. Remember, it says she was childless. She was unable to conceive. And now they're past that age period where it was normal at all for a woman to conceive a child. And so what they're leading into is this miraculous series of events that are going to take place that bring great joy into the world. But they're not events that are without struggle, without problems, without disappointments along the way either. So that's why I want us to see the connection here. I mean, 2020 has been, what's the key word? Unprecedented, right? It's been unprecedented with all the struggles, all the things we've had to deal with. And yet, can we have joy in the middle of all that? Does God God's plan, God's provision, God's advent of the Messiah give us reason, even in the middle of the struggles, to still be able to be joyful people. This short paragraph from Luke has spoken volumes of information uh, to Luke's original audience and to us too. Uh, here we have, he starts out with, he says, Herod, 
king of Judea. Doesn't Herod play a big part in this story, right? He's, he, he plays a major role. He's not a God-fearing man. He doesn't believe in, in, in the God of, of the people of God. He doesn't believe in the Messiah idea that he, he really would have a Messiah be born. We know that he's caught off guard uh, when the, later when the wise men come by checking on where this child was born. He, he doesn't know all the information. He's not up to speed on all that. So, so he's a unique guy in this story because mainly he rep represents Rome. He works for Rome. Uh, he's the king for that region, but he's under the authority of Rome. He has to obey and, and cater to Caesar and all that Caesar would want. And one of the things he had decided was important for him to do to answer to Rome was keep these Jews under his thumb. Uh, he oppressed them greatly. So, so when you read this beautiful story of the advent of the Messiah, you have to understand the suffering these people are living under, under King Herod, under the Roman rule that they faced. They were taxed heavily. They were worked hard. They had no way to get ahead. They couldn't have any positions of authority in the government. They weren't even allowed to participate in the system of the government. They, they had no way to advance themselves under the rule of Rome. It was a very discouraging time to be alive under those conditions. If you only looked at the worldly side of things, how could you have joy in the middle of all that, right? How could you really experience a joyful life in the middle of all of that? And Zechariah and Elizabeth were both of priestly lineage of the, of the tribe of Aaron. That's the priestly tribe. Okay, so, so they were honored in that sense among their own people, except for one thing. People would always question, if, if you're really a priest of God and you have this connection with God and you have God's favor, why haven't you had any children? Why haven't you been blessed with a child to continue the line of the priest through your family? Elizabeth would have been looked down on in her culture, scorned even by some in her culture. So not only do they have the oppression of Rome, they have the scorn of their own people that they were trying to serve as priests because they had not been able to have children. Can you have joy in the middle of all of that? Does the Advent give us reason to still be joyful people? Well, Zechariah and Elizabeth are, it says, righteous people, though. They've kept the law. They've honored God with their lives. They've done all the right things as far as their relationship with God is concerned. Yet still no children. But they still honored God anyway. That's an amazing testimony, isn't it? When things don't go the way you want. When you don't think God's doing for you what you want God to do for you. Will you still honor him? Will you still serve him? Even when it's not going at all the way you thought it would. Even when you're not being told how great you are, but instead people are questioning you because you haven't been able to have children yet. Can you still honor God, serve God? Whatever it is, whether it's having children or anything else, you know, you're struggling financially or your marriage is struggling, whatever it is that people would say, well, if you really, if you're following God, you're a Christian, why aren't things better for you, right? What, why, why is your God absent? Why is he not doing good things for you if you claim to love him and you claim he loves you? Can't you hear the critics now? So can we have joy in the middle of all of that? 
the situation changes drastically, very quickly. And, and, and God, you know, how God can turn things around. Uh, he, he doesn't need a lot of time when he decides to turn something around. He can do it just like that. See, that's why we shouldn't lose hope, right? No matter what, no matter where we are, no matter how far along things are, we shouldn't lose hope because God can just, boom, turn things around just like that. And here's how God does it this time. An angel shows up. We even know this angel's name, right? Do you remember his name? Gabriel. The angel Gabriel shows up. Now, Gabriel is called, uh, is mentioned by name a couple of times, several times in Scripture. And, and, and I love that we know the name Gabriel. And, and there have been a lot of, you know, cartoons and different things they've done with Gabriel, the archangel, playing his trumpet and all that. Uh, and Gabriel is, is, is some, somehow it seems, we don't know all the structure, the organizational structure of the heavenly realm at all. We, we can't figure all that out. But we know somehow he's, as far as the angels go, he's one of the top guys, right? Uh, he, he's maybe the top guy among the angel group there, uh, those angelic beings. And, and he's certainly, certainly someone who shows up to do something phenomenal in this case. He goes to... Elizabeth. Well, first he tells Zechariah that his wife is going to have a son. Now, Zechariah is overwhelmed when he gets the news. Wouldn't you be, right? You're, you're, you've, you've given up on this. This is not going to happen. She's too old now. We're, we're beyond that point where we're going to be able to have kids now. So, so no need. To, he had probably really worked hard to keep his hopes down now on ever having a child. And maybe he's finally worked through it. He's finally accepted. It's just not going to happen. And then this angel says, oh, yeah, God's not done yet. He's going to give you a son. Elizabeth's going to have this baby. And he can hardly believe the news. And he, when he questions the angel, the angel says, here's what Zechariah says, I, you know, are you sure? I, I can, can I really believe this, right? I, I'm not sure this is really something that, that could possibly happen is kind of what Zechariah is saying. The angel said to him, you know, your wife's going to have, bear you a son. You're going to call him John. He'll be a joy and delight to you. His birth is going to be one of rejoicing, right? He gives him all that information and Zechariah still is not convinced. And so the angel Gabriel looks at Zechariah and says, all right, man, you want a sign that this is real? Here's your sign. You're not going to be able to speak until the baby's born. And immediately Zechariah couldn't talk anymore. Now, Zechariah probably would have said, I didn't have to have that, Lord. <laughs> all right. I, I, you know, you could have burned another bush or something. That would have worked. But. But he, God does what God does, right? He says, here's your sign. If you really need a sign, you won't be able to say anything until the child is born. And so Zechariah has to very quickly learn to do communicate by writing notes and, uh, and, and doing sign language. You know, you know how even when you don't know sign language, you, you do things to try to get your point across sometimes and somebody can't hear you. You'll point or you'll, you'll, you'll say this or you say like that. You know, you, he was probably trying to learn all those things he could do to communicate now. Because for a while, until this baby's born, he can't speak at all. And so he has to write notes and communicate the best that he can. It seems that Elizabeth is quicker to believe when the angel told her uh, that she was going to have this baby, when, when the news is shared with her. She says in Luke 1.25, uh, in that verse, 
This is more her response. The Lord has done this for me, she said, and these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Immediately, she accepts the news as a way that God has shown great favor to her. Now, I, I know that in that culture, this is an amazing, wonderful thing. It is miraculous. This is a miraculous uh, pregnancy and birth that's taking place here. Uh, so, so not only do you have what's coming later, the miraculous birth of Jesus, but already you've got a miraculous conception here and, and birth about to take place with Elizabeth and Zechariah. And we forget sometimes. All right, great news. This is so joyful. This is amazing. But any of you ladies that have gone through pregnancy understand that it's not all fun and games, right? It's not all just great news, great celebration. And Elizabeth is old. Remember? That's how it's described. And now she's an old pregnant lady going through all that stuff that you go through in a pregnancy. Joy, 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 right? Morning sickness, oh joy, right? The climate there, uh, we don't know exactly the date of all of this. Could have been really hot, you know, during the pregnancy. So very often was very hot there and humid and she'd have to deal with all that. You see, she's got to go through all the hard stuff. There's joy, but there's hard stuff in the middle of the joy, right? In fact, part of the joy is the hard stuff. Do you catch that? Part of the joy is the hard stuff that they're going to go through here. When Elizabeth is six months along, you might hear a narrator in the story if the story were being told, meanwhile in Galilee. <laughs> an angel goes to work again. Gabriel makes another earthly appearance, this time to Mary, and he's delivering the most miraculous pregnancy announcement of all times. Mary receives the news gracefully and willingly. But at some point early on, Mary must have known about the challenges she was going to face, the disgrace that was about to begin. After the initial joy happens with the announcement, it sinks in, I'm sure, to Mary. Oh, no. How's Joseph going to react to all of this? Good news, right? Joyful announcement. Now I've got to tell my fiancé that I'm expecting a baby. And he knows it's not his. We haven't been together. How's he going to take that? Right? Joy, but hard things go together. Difficult things. Joy in the middle of the difficult things. Now, she didn't know that, that God was going to send an angel to Joseph already and convince Joseph of all this. She's dealing with the immediate processing of the news. And here's what else she knows. We don't know all about her family, but we know they were a good family. But we know that in that culture, she's got to tell maybe her mom and dad, brothers or sisters, I'm pregnant, even though we're not married. And in that culture, it's still a little bit this way today in our culture, but more so in that culture at that time, that was a disgrace to the family that you're bringing to the family to say that you're pregnant when you're not married yet. 
to have to reveal it. And she knows, I mean, pregnancy, she can't hide it for long. It's going to start showing. She can't keep this a secret the whole time. Struggle, problems, joyful announcement. Going to have this baby. Messiah's coming. Advent's going to be realized through you, Mary. What a great thing. But look at all the struggle. Not only that, but along with the announcement comes the news that her heart's going to be pierced by what happens to this child. Wow. Joyful announcement, wonderful, miraculous pregnancy, birth, but struggle and problems all the way through the whole time. Joy in the midst of the hard things. Mary's journey was not going to be an easy one. I think that's why, look at, look at Luke 1 and verse 39. As she's processing all of that, she's being reassured that, that by the angel that this is the work of God, that God's the one doing this. It says in verse 39, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Why in the world do you think all of a sudden in the middle of all this, she runs off to see Elizabeth and Zechariah? Well, most likely because they're relatives, she's heard about the miraculous thing that's happening with them, and they're expecting a baby. Now, she's probably gotten the news about that. And she thought, well, none of it, nobody else is going to understand this. But there's one family member I think might. Who would it be? Elizabeth. I think Elizabeth might understand what I'm talking about here, what's going on. Isn't it true that when you're going through a really hard struggle, it's great to have a friend who really understands and knows what you're going through. Man, I love that in the church family too, where we could be in our life groups and in our friendships that we have within the church family. There are people that we know that love God the way we do and trust God the way we do. And we could go to them and share with them and they will support us and pray for us and encourage us. And we could do that for them. It's a beautiful thing. And Mary knows, well, I, I've got this relative, Elizabeth. She's a lot older than me and she's pregnant and it's a miraculous thing. And she may have even heard a little bit of Elizabeth's story where she said an angel's the one who announced this to her. Boy, she could understand when Mary said, well, an angel came to me too. Mary said an angel told me that this was going to be the Messiah. And this angel said this is a child conceived by God. If anybody could understand this miraculous event, it was going to be Elizabeth. And, and I love how the story goes when she goes to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth does indeed understand. And this is where the, the joy begins to erupt again in the middle of all the struggle and the backdrop of discouragement and disgrace and grief and shame. The joy comes bursting through for these two mothers to be. Luke tells us, look at Luke 1 verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Whew, boy, can, can you imagine how much Mary needed to hear that? Uh, how, how, 
how encouraging that would be for her to have Elizabeth speak that message to her. Confirmation again from God when the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb, knowing that this was the, the, the news of the Messiah coming, the, the advent of God's promise being fulfilled through Mary. It had to be the most reassuring, comforting, encouraging thing that brought great joy to her. The joy came bursting through in the next few verses, beginning with verse 46. If you look in your Bible, sometimes there's a heading there that says it's a title, different things. And, and this translation in the NIV that I have here, it's called Mary's Song. And some of you may have a different title for it there. It's been called different things. It's an amazing song of joy and celebration. Now, have any of the bad circumstances changed? No. Have any of the hard things been avoided now? No. It's still going to be just as hard. There's still going to be just as many challenges. Still going to be still a lot of people not believing her, not, not accepting the story, still causing her to have a shame and, and uh, wanting her to feel guilty for everything that's going on and trying to put that on her. She's still going to have to deal with all of that. But here's a song of joy from her heart and celebration from her heart. Listen to it. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors." She stayed with Elizabeth, it says, about three months before she returned home. She just needed that place, that person who understood. She needed that comfort, that reassurance that could give her the strength she was going to need for what lies ahead for her in this story. Oh, so many times we... We look at Mary and we celebrate what an amazing, wonderful young lady she was, and we ought to. But sometimes when we do that, we don't ever acknowledge how hard this was for her. What a struggle it was going to be. And yet we see in the middle of that great struggle such a great song of joy from her heart. See, God wants to give us that, even in 2020. Even in this year of all the struggles, even in the pandemic, even in, in the racial struggles, even, even in the economic struggles, he, he wants to give us a song of joy in our hearts because the Messiah, the Advent, has come. The deliverance of the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that all the nations on the earth would be blessed through his lineage. This is God keeping his promise, which is a reason for us to have joy even in the middle of struggle. So the time we have left, I want to point out three things about this joy that God wants us to have. The first one is this. It's OK to be joyful and happy. And the reason I bring that up is because sometimes I think we feel guilty 
if we're feeling happy right now. I, I think we almost feel guilty because we see how hard things are for people. We see people suffering. We see people struggling. Uh, how can you be happy in the middle of all that? But yet that's one of the greatest witnesses you could have is to still have some joy and some happiness in the middle of all of this. People, more than anything else, they're hungry for it. They're looking for it, that hope and that joy that, that followers of Christ could display in the middle of the struggle. We're not going to go through this just, you know, saying little quip things like, oh, just don't worry, just be happy. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a fake smile. We're not talking about just putting on a front here. We're talking about genuine, deep down joy that you can have even in the middle of the struggles. That's what Mary had. That's what Elizabeth had. That's what Joseph came along and supported and was part of with Mary. That's what Zechariah had when they got him, gave him his voice back. When the, you know, when the baby was born, he, he was able to name the baby the way God said to name the baby. He, he was obedient at that time, right? He believed God. And even though he, did, he, he normally in that culture, you would have named the baby after yourself or your family name. But he said, no, we're calling this guy John. That's what the angel said. We're not, we're not going against this, right? And we're going to be joyful about it. You see, we've got an opportunity here. It's okay to have joy and happiness in the middle of all this. And, and I bring it up because I know there have been some occasions where I felt a little bit guilty that I've been able to have and maintain a joyful spirit through this time. I, I've talked about this before, and I'm so thankful for this group of pastors I meet with. We've been doing Zoom meetings a couple of times a month all through the pandemic. And it's about 65 pastors from all over the country really good churches. They, they do such a wonderful job. I love all these pastors and their families and their ministries. They're, they're some of my greatest friends and heroes in the faith. But here's the deal. In these meetings, we've had every meeting we've had, we've had at least two or three or four of these pastors really struggling with everything that's happening at their churches through the pandemic. Uh, I mean, at churches all over the country, people are leaving mad, right? It's not just because of the pandemic, uh, as far as being mad about what the church did in response to the pandemic. It's just with this heaviness, if you were disgruntled at all before the pandemic, if you had any criticism at all before the pandemic, it's just magnified many times over during something like this, the long, as long as it's gone on. And so in churches all over the country, people are leaving and they're mad. They're going to other churches and, and people that you thought would always be there and support you are, are turning their backs on these pastors and all that. And they're feeling it and it's hurting them and they're grieving it. And, and I'm sitting there and I, and I know uh, we've all had some of that. But here's the thing. But I, I, I want to thank, I want to thank our elder team here at Lakeshore. Mike Edwards and Hugh Coleman and Art Laird and Oscar Valencia and Jamie Jenkins, who serve as elders with me here. They have maintained such encouragement and unity and support for me and for our staff and for our church. And so many of our staff have maintained that spirit of love and encouragement and joy in what they're doing, even though it's been hard. We've had so many hard decisions to make as a church, as leaders for the church, all through this time. Uh, people that never been in that role of leadership in a church, you don't have a clue all the hard decisions that we've had to make all the way through all of this. But those guys remain encouraging and supportive and unified and They've helped me maintain a spirit of joy through it all. My wife has been part of that, my family. 
You see, in the middle of struggles, people who have this connection with God and the Spirit of God in them, they can be that source of joy for others around them. You could be that source of joy for others around you because of the presence and the power of the Spirit of God in you and your claim of the promise of the advent of the Messiah. It could give you the strength to maintain a joyful spirit. And when I sat in those meetings sometimes, I almost felt a little guilty that they're, they're struggling like they are, and I'm not. Now, it doesn't make me more spiritual than them. Maybe they don't have the support around them that they need to have like I've had. And that's why it's so important for you to recognize how you could be that support for somebody else. You could be that encouragement for somebody else that's struggling hard right now. You could be the one who builds them up and encourages them instead of criticizing them and tearing them down. You can make all the difference in somebody being able to experience the joy of the Lord through the struggles of their lives. Not just the pandemic, but any struggles that they're going through. You could be that source of joy that, that God puts into their lives to encourage them and strengthen them. There's great joy there should be in this Christmas season. And it's good to embrace and celebrate that joy and we shouldn't feel bad about it at all. I love the lights. I love the decorations. I love the presents. I love families getting together. I love the church family being able to celebrate like we're going to do this week with the Christmas Eve services. I, I love everything about this and it's not wrong to enjoy it, even in the middle of a pandemic. It's not wrong to celebrate even when things are hard. It's a good thing to have that joy. It can be the encouragement that people so desperately need to get through the hard things that they're going through. I hear people say all the time, well, you shouldn't, you know, churches shouldn't make such a big deal about celebrating Christmas. Some people lost loved ones during the Christmas season and it's hard for them. Of course it's hard for them. That's why they need us to be joyful. They need the joy that we can share with them. We should not be joyful because they're struggling. It's just the opposite. They need the joy that we could bring them while they're struggling. Don't ever feel guilty about experiencing the joy of the Lord in your life and sharing that with others. It's a reflection of the joy that God has placed within us and his joyful nature. The second thing about joy is this. It's actually our strength. Joy is our strength. It is one of the things, one of the most important things that will get us through any struggle that we face is joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. There's a song that we often sing in churches, and, and it's true. A lot of you don't know where it comes from, though. We, we've gone through a study of Nehemiah a few times. And in Nehemiah, in the Old Testament, he's, an, he's a leader who got permission from King, Ar, uh, King Artaxerxes to return from exile in Babylon and go rebuild Jerusalem, starting with rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. The process was more than just a return to the physical city. It, it was actually a spiritual awakening and rebuilding of, of the people of God in that place. In chapter 8 of the book of Nehemiah, he brings all the people together for a purpose. They're getting discouraged and, and, and they're being attacked by the enemy. And here's what he does. He gets the priests and the leaders to open up God's word and start reading God's word to them. In the presence of all the people. And when they start hearing the word of God being read, they started weeping, grieving openly. And I think for two reasons. One was they were joyful because they hadn't been doing this for a long time. They were joyful to hear the word of God again, but they were also convicted of their rebellion and their sinfulness against God. And they're crying 
and they're weeping tears of repentance before God because they know they have turned away from God during this time. And that's why they ended up in slavery. It's because they had turned away from God and the teachings of God. And now they're being convicted of that more than ever. But I love how as he went on reading, as they weeping and crying, it says this in Nehemiah 8 and verse 10. Listen, Nehemiah said to them, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for what? The joy of the Lord is your what? Strength. See, that's where that comes from. Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is our strength comes from the middle of grieving and repentance and struggle and agony over all that they'd gone through. But he says, here's what you need. You need strength now to get through this, to get, to get back to where you need to be. You know what your source of strength is going to be? The joy of the Lord. That's going to be your source of strength to help you deal with this, to help you get through this, to help you be able to go on and do the good things that God wants you to do. Celebrate this day, he says. Enjoy it. Make it a, a huge celebration before God that now you're coming back to him and experiencing the joy that only he can bring. It's the fuel that sustains us and enables us. And Christmas is a season of joy because the Messiah has brought joy into the world and provided the way of ultimate fulfillment for us of life the way God intended it to be not absent of struggle but joyful in the midst of the struggle the joy of the lord can be our strength too first peter 1 verse 8 and 9 it says this though you've not seen him you love him even though you do not see him now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls our salvation Gives us all the reason we need to have joy in the midst of struggle. And Advent is the celebration of the Savior coming to bring us that salvation. So that no matter what this world throws at us, we have victory through our Messiah, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Which leads to the last thing. I want to close with this one. We can choose joy if we want to. We could choose to go around miserable and complaining. Yeah, we could go around critical the rest of our lives if we want to. Sure, you can choose that. Not a fun way to live life. Doesn't bless anybody else. Doesn't build anybody else up. Or we can choose joy. You see, it is something you can choose because of Christ, not because of us, not because we can manufacture it ourselves within us. That's not what he's talking about. We can choose joy because it is something that, that God enables us to do, to have that choice. The word rejoice is used a lot in the Bible, translations of the Bible, rejoice. And rejoice is the verb form of the word joy, okay? Rejoice. It's an action verb. It's an action of feeling or expressing joy and delight. Notice in our English word rejoice, there's the prefix is re, R-E. Okay, rejoice. Re is this idea of once more or again or, or start it again. Redo it. Rekindle it. Rejoice. Rejoice means return to joy. 
return to joy. Things are going to happen that for a moment keep us from feeling joyful. But what can we choose to do in those moments? To return to joy again. To return to the source of joy again. You see, the source of joy is not just, well, just dig deep. Just, just look within yourself and you can be joyful. That's not what the scripture teaches. The source of joy is Jesus. Get your eyes back on him, the Messiah, the Advent. What he came here to do, what he came here to deliver for us is salvation through his blood. We have every reason to come back to joy again. It's not some unending supply of feel-good happiness all the time where you just feel great every moment. That's not what it is. It's a source deep down in your relationship with God through his son that you know you can go back to every time you need it. And when you know he's there for you always and he never leaves you and he never forsakes you, that's where the re comes in. Daily, regularly, constantly, you can go back to rejoy again, rejoice again in Christ. James' word makes sense. In James 1, verse 2, he says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, notice he's not saying that you should consider it great. The trials are great. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you can consider it pure joy that you're going through the trials and not going through them alone. You see, there's a source for you when you go through them. If you keep your faith in Him, you keep your focus on Him, you return to Him if you have straight away, He's going to be that source that can give you what? Joy. Again in your life. He will be there to give you the joy that you're looking for. We can find joy even in the midst of the trials and the struggles. I love how often in the Psalms the word rejoice appears. It's, it's over and over again. I don't know. I didn't count how many times, but it's, it's repeated over and over again. But there's also in the Psalms great struggles that are being shared all the way through the Psalms. One example of that is Psalm 13. I, I just want to close with this. Here's what it says. It begins with a painful cry. Okay, here's the cry. How long, Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I'm going to sleep in death and my enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Does it sound too hopeful, does it? But who is he going to with that lament? To the Lord. You know how he closes it? But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in what? In your salvation. That's where the joy is. The joy of the Lord is the strength that we all need. Friends, let's rediscover this Christmas, this year, how to embrace joy no matter what we're going through. And that means embracing Christ again like never before. He is the fulfillment of the advent of God bringing us the reason and the source of joy. Our salvation is found in him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that in Christ, 
we can return to joy and rejoicing no matter what we're facing this Christmas season, no matter what we're going to face beyond this, we have a source we can always go to. You're always there for us. You never leave us or forsake us. And you're there to give us the ability to have rejoicing in the struggle. We thank you that one day we can have this hope of advent of the return of Jesus where the struggles will end. It'll all go away. There'll be that place of perfection and beauty. Everything will be restored to the way you wanted it to be and created it to be again. And until then, you are our source of joy. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.